Hello, everyone. This is Pascal, and I am the host of this podcast, The Info Jabs with Pascal. I want to thank you for supporting by listening, and you can also support by going on the Instagram page, The Info Jabs with Pascal, and following the page, sharing the content. Uh, and I'll also, so the page is The Info Jabs with Pascal. I'll be including that in the show notes after this episode. Uh, well, hopefully you got to listen to the first episode or of Mothers Speaking Raw Truths About Pregnancy and Post-Pregnancy. And I'm actually releasing the second part of that episode today. I, I really didn't want to prolong it any longer because I it's a conversation with the same people and I wanted you to be able to follow the, converse, the flow of the conversation a, a bit better. So... As promised, you'll notice a difference in the, the sound quality. Uh, although the part two of the episode, you'll notice that uh, the audio is still the same. And that's because we recorded on the same day. But the ladies did so well. They did such a good job being vulnerable and informative. I don't want that to be overshadowed by the flaws of the audio. So... I would encourage you to focus on what they're saying. So um, we're actually just going to jump right in. They are, we're starting with them sharing about their toughest time in pregnancy. So enjoy. The toughest time for me would be energy. Um, I found myself less, I'm not motivated, but I just didn't have I just didn't have the energy to do certain things that I normally would. Like, it would be no problem, you know, go for a walk in the afternoon. But I just didn't, I just didn't feel like doing it. And it could have been like where the mental part came in, where just like, I just didn't feel like doing it, you know? So less, less energetic, less energy. Um, I'm not saying that I didn't have a positive outlook on life. But it was definitely different. But energy definitely wasn't there. I'll agree with that too, Ashley. That was for me. Um, I did not want to do anything. I did not have, I didn't want to work out. I didn't want to walk. And even when they told, even when I passed my due date, the doctor said, hey, you need to keep walking. You need to do all that. I still didn't have, even though I did it a little bit, but I still didn't have the energy to want to do it and the crazy thing is I used to run track in college so you would think <laughs> for someone who used to work out and be on it would be the first one to want to do all that but as soon as the baby was in my stomach I did not all I wanted to do was sit around and watch tv barely able to eat because that certain food I couldn't smell so I would say the um the toughest part was like you said is the energy to the, the willingness to do these things I was just, yeah, same. I was very tired. Um, that came more towards the end um, for me. Um, I think you guys can, is it noisy? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. It's not noisy. I, I, just, I, I heard a sound. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Um, my husband had uh, this hashtag. We, we're not good with hashtag, but we use this one, the hashtag. Hashtag life with kids, you know, whenever something <laughs> happens. Yep. Um, so, but yeah, I had like less energy. Um, I was like, I would fall asleep. 
if I was too tired, um, I would get this migraine. And then the only way the migraine would go away is like I would have to throw up or something like that. Um, I had that during my pregnancy. So that's why I didn't push myself too hard to be um, during my pregnancy because I know I knew that about myself. I, I've always been like that. After I got pregnant, that went away. Um, but I've always been that way. So that was a hard time about my pregnancy. Um, <clears throat> for me, I, I like to say that I had a pretty good textbook pregnancy except for when it got towards the end uh I think that's when my daughter put on all of her weight um it was so hard for me to get out of bed in the morning I would have to like hold on to my bed for me to be able to like roll myself around to be able to stand up um and if I stood up too quickly I'd get dizzy um so I would say that that was probably the hardest part in my in my pregnancy. I know that some some women um, who are maybe listening have experienced some great difficulties um, with loss. What can you guys, based on your experience or um, what you've heard or in your field, um, have learned about that and can share um, as a as a way to console them or to um, encourage them? Um, I, I had, um, I missed the part credit when credit was talking about, she had two miscarriages. Um, I've also had two loss, uh, two losses. One of them, I miscarried at, um, three months. The other one was, um, stillborn. Um, like I had, you know, my delivery date, I was excited and all these stuff. Um, so they were both like very devastating for both my husband and I. Um, so that's a, that was a very hard road to go through because when you go through, especially the miscarriages, people don't really talk about their miscarriages and you feel like it's your fault, something you did. You feel like it's because you don't know how common it is. Mm -hmm. Um, I wish you knew you went through that. I, I wish I knew you went through that care so I could have been there for you because I, I try to do it for <laughs> moms like who who's going through this because you really feel like you're alone and you don't know you're going through this experience by yourself um and it's devastating and when you do get pregnant either you know you you either go two ways either you um some people they they don't want to go they don't want to go through that again because they don't want to feel the pain that they had um or they want to take a pause, whatever the case is. Other people, they go through pregnancy and they do uh, worry like that this it will be the same outcome, which um, was also my case. Like um, I mentioned, I really like the, I cherish when the baby's kicked because that was to me sign of life. And I just, I don't know, I just cherished it. And then after my, my kids got here, I also cherish that time because because of the other two. I say, I say the other two in heaven because I know I'll meet them one day again. But I'm like, um, I just cherish that time. So I try, I do try to be there for other women. If I knew they went through it, whether it's a miscarriage or still um stillbirth, um, I I encourage them. One of the things that encouraged me was um reading some verses. Um, even people who don't have kids 
um, sometimes people don't see them as mothers and that can be so hard. Like Mother's Day just went by and that was hard for so many women because they're like, I am a mother. I just don't have my kids here with me. Right. Um, and they're not celebrated because they don't have, you know, their child with them. So, so I try to encourage them during that time, uh, especially, but, um, but it, it's a, it's a hard journey and, um, we just have to share about, you know, we have to talk about it that way those who are going through it, they can feel a little hopeful and they can be comforted by that. Danielle, are you, are, are you in a program? Because I remember you mentioning you're in a program mm -hmm. where you do talk to women. Yes. There's, there's this organization called Finley Project. And it started, I think, back in 2015 by this woman. Um, she lost her daughter in the hospital, but that was due to medical negligence. It was the hospital's fault. And it was tough. So she started this project. She had no one. So it's like an organization where when the woman, they like uh, any type of woman at any hospital, if they lose their baby, um, they can, you know, apply to be in this, in, in this, um, organization and pretty much just like volunteers, like myself, we help those women. We talk to them over the phone. It's like, we hold their hands, um, during this hard journey. We encourage them however way we can. Um, I am working on a mother right now and I just, um, I speak to her about twice a week. Um, the times I don't speak to her, I send her verses because she said she she wants those. So I send her verses, verses that comforted me during um, during my time. So I just send her verses. So there are organizations where people can get help if, um, you know, like emotional support. Even more than that, I think they give massages. They look for counseling for you on top of mothers, you know, like myself who experience the same. They look for counseling and therapy, whatever you want. I think massages or even a cleaning service or meals, because when you go through that, like it's, it's hard, it's hard. So you, they just try to support you as much as I, as much as they can pretty much. And it's called the Finley project. What is it? Finley, F I N L E Y. That was her son's name. Finley oh, okay. and then project. There are doulas who specialize with um, helping mothers who have experienced loss um, the way that she's mentioned with our project. So I'm sure they probably have a few doulas that work with them. Um, I haven't, I mean, I know people in my family um, and my friends who have gone through miscarriages, um, but I haven't touched on that too much. I mean, apart from being there for them, mm -hmm. um, as a friend, as a cousin. What, were you guys concerned at any, at any point, um, do, like on your way to the delivery? What, what are the, you know, like some of the concerns that you guys have and who did you guys use? Did you guys use a gynecologist, a midwife, or did you have a home birth? I know Sophia couldn't be here uh, with us for the second episode, but I think she had a home birth. Uh, did you use a doula? What was your experience? Uh, my experience was my first was unexpected. Um, the ambient, I'm probably saying it wrong. The 
ambiotic. I could be saying it wrong, but this, the fact that the baby right. ambiotic <laughs> actually ruptured prematurely. Um, I remember going to lunch with a friend and, you know, people say, oh, your water broke. It wasn't like a big goose, like a big flood of water or anything, but I knew that it, I didn't um, wet myself. I thought, well, what is this? And so I remember calling my mom and my mom was like, Ashley, just go to the, just go to your doctor and check it out. Go check it out. So sure enough, um, went to my doctor and she was able to fit me in. And at that time, when you're that close to your due date, you're meeting like every week, I want to say something like that. So she had just, <laughs> she had just seen me, but I'm glad she was able to squeeze me in. And sure enough, I think they tested the lick, the, they tested the fluid and it was sure enough, my ambiotic sac. And so she said, Ashley, you have to go to the, you need to go to the doctor. And I was like, well, I can't go right now because I, I had so much planned. I want to get my hair done. My nails. <laughs> <laughs> now people look glamorous. And so she was just sending me, I was like, I'm below. I'm below in my delivery pictures I cannot go right now and but I had to go <laughs> and sure enough um he was coming and many and I want to say he was coming they actually had to induce my labor because it had ruptured prematurely so they had to induce my labor at first I didn't feel anything and then like a couple of hours later that's when the labor pains actually came. And I was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> so before I was just sitting there, just waiting, talking it up, I was laughing all that. Was, and then that's when the contractions came. And that's when I was like, oh my goodness. And then I had to wait. You have to wait a certain, um, you have to wait until you're out a certain centimeter in order for them to give you an epidural. So mm -hmm. I wasn't even dilated because, you know, he had, the, it ruptured prematurely so I had to wait until I became dilated and then they gave me the epidural but I think that was probably the most painful pregnancy well um the process of giving birth not pregnancy but the during the process the second one was my actually my first natural way of um of giving birth because um I was I remember using the restroom and um, not to get all graphic, but you know, you're cleaning up down there. I felt a bulge. And I was like, what is that? <laughs> and keep in mind, he this was April the 27th. His due date was April the 8th. So a good over a week oh. was his due date. I was like, what is that? Is it supposed to be there? And sure enough, he had already started crowning. Oh my God. Yes, but I wasn't yeah. in any pain. And I was like, that doesn't feel right. You know, it wasn't in pain, but you know, I didn't, um, my vagina didn't feel the same. I'm going to say that since we're going yeah. all green. <laughs> <laughs> my, she, didn't, she didn't feel like herself. And I said, I don't know what this is. <laughs> I was like, let me check you out, girl. <laughs> and sure enough um his dad was in the other room on like a conference call and I called him in I'm like what is going on he was like well you know we thought let's just get it you know let's check it out sure enough I called my mom and she told me the same thing go get it checked out <laughs> and I remember um if I would get like this sensation it wasn't hurting but I would get this sensation every now and then and then the sensation frequently kept coming and it kept getting 
more uncomfortable. And mm -hmm. sure enough, I found out those were contractions. So mm -hmm. because I didn't experience that in my first pregnancy, yeah. I didn't know what I was feeling because this was actually my first time actually doing it natural, you know, natural. Uh -huh. yeah. And sure enough, they were contractions. And so, yeah, I didn't need a, they didn't have to induce anything, but they did. By the time I got there, I was already dilated to go ahead and get like an epidural and stuff like that. But yeah, um, that's how I, yeah, old girl was like, um, <laughs> oh, and, body, and it's good to know your body. I would say that it's, it's good to know your body. So yeah, that was the, the first thing. Cause otherwise I would have just been there like, you know, not knowing what was going on. So it's, it's you would have gave birth at home. <laughs> yeah, had I not used the bathroom and actually, you know, examine, yeah. like you can't see down there, but you can definitely feel, you know, how your body is. Yeah. Sure enough, he had already started getting in place. Yeah. I used a gynecologist both time and I got induced both time. Mm -hmm. And I do not like that feeling, that forced contraction. Oh, oh no. yeah. <laughs> but um, my first pregnancy, I did do the epidural, but I don't know if that ever happened to anyone. It, it did not work for me because they gave it to me too late. So they gave me the epidural and then my daughter was there in like 30 minutes after. So I didn't even really get to kick in. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> yeah. So I was just like, man, give me my money back. <laughs> <laughs> so when, when are you supposed to get it? If you're, if you choose to get it, when, or like, is it the best soon as you start feeling or like, no, you have to be dilated by a certain. Mm -hmm. You like, need to be in active labor. So right. active labor is anywhere from three to four centimeters. It depends on the hospital mm -hmm. and their policy, but you need to be in. <laughs> <laughs> so what you guys can't see. <laughs> We see a hand. Yeah, that's what I like. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Um, you need to be in active labor. Uh, anywhere from three to four centimeters, or yeah, three to four centimeters, depending on the hospital. Um, and you know, it it depends on your the intensity for for the woman. Some women, you know, it's they're in pain at the beginning till the end. Some women don't feel pain until they're four, five, six, seven, eight centimeters dilated. So it, it depends. Like she said, you most likely would have just went into labor at home and right. you probably wouldn't have even, I mean, you wouldn't have had an epidural. So you would have just went full natural. Yeah. <laughs> And they say with an epidural, it actually slows it down. Is that correct, Gina? Yes, the epidural can slow it down. Um, for me, I had a traumatic birth experience. Um, so I I should have had my own doula, but I was just like, you know what? I've, I've spoken to my husband enough. Um, he knows everything. He knows what I want, what I don't want he'll be able to, you know, walk them through it. And he did. He did. He did a great job. Um, but the reason why I say it's traumatic is because it resulted in a C-section. It wasn't an uh, emergency C-section, but it could have gotten there. 
Um, so I, I went to my last doctor's appointment. Um, the doctor was like, oh, your blood pressure is high, um, higher than your usual. And at that point, I was 38 weeks pregnant. So um, I was like, well, this baby can come now, whenever. Like, I, she, I'm ready for her to be out. Um, so, you know, sent me to the hospital. Um, he was like, okay, we'll have you in for observation. Um, and my blood pressure was just going up, going down, going up, going down. And the whole pregnancy was normal. So they was just like, this is signs of you possibly being able to get preeclampsia. And so I was like, okay. You know, so what's the next steps? They're like, well, we're going to go ahead and induce you. So I got induced with um, something called Cervidil, which is kind of like a, which is kind of like a um, tampon that they insert into the cervix. And um, it kind of like, they kind of like blow it up like a balloon. And it'll, it's supposed to stay there for 12 hours. They say up to 12 hours, but it can be... It, it comes out after the 12 hours. They'll take it out or it'll fall out by itself. For me, um, it fell out by itself. My water broke. And um, so by then I was in active labor and I just started feeling all of the this pain. And the reason why I say I wish I would have had a doula is because as doulas, we're trained to um, move people around, give them different positions. And I know all of them, but for me to do it for myself, it's kind of hard for me to, for me to have guided my husband or somebody else. And my family, like my child is the first, first grandchild. So everybody was coming to see first niece, first great niece. So like everyone was just in my hospital room. And so it was nerve wracking. It wasn't like a, um, a, a, a relaxed environment for me. Um, and I didn't notice this until the end, until after the fact. And so speeding up the process, um, I, I go into labor, my daughter's like, I'm getting to like four centimeters. And I was like, how am I still at four centimeters? Like, this is just ridiculous. <laughs> the pain, like, what? Are, are you guys sure? Like, maybe your hands are too small. I was just like, this, there's no way I'm not more than that. And I just felt like I had like a, I had back, back labor. So like, it just felt like there was knives, just like somebody was just there, just, you know, const constantly sticking me with this knife. And I was just like, I can't do this. Like, I can't get myself in a comfortable position. The only thing that felt comfortable for me was being hey. underwater, like, I just, I was like, okay, you know what? I want to take a shower. Can I go take a shower? And my nurse was like, sure. So I went to go take a shower and the hot water hitting my back, like just soothed me. And I wish I could have stayed under that water forever. And my mother and mother-in-law were like, no, you, no, you have to um, stop. You have to get out the water. Da, 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 da. You can't labor in here. And I wish that I would have had my doula there to be able to tell me you can stay there just stay under there as long as you want and we're going to speed up the process um or that would speed up the process and it did it helped me contract more and I wasn't in as much pain but I ended up getting an epidural and the epidural like you don't you don't feel the contractions as some people feel it feel it still but like you don't feel it as much the job is 
for it to take over, you know, the pain. And <laughs> and um <laughs> and so yeah, so anyways, long story short, we end up having to my doctor was like, Well, I think we're gonna have to um end up having a C section because you're not dilating any faster, any sooner um than usual. So like, you know, I think it would be best because we don't want it to be an emergency. And so we ended up doing that and I say traumatic because I almost died. Um, but I'm alive in here talking to you. <laughs> and um, I have this vibrant uh, three and a half year old. God for that. Yeah. Sorry. Long story. No, it's okay. Um, we watched this documentary years ago before we got pregnant. Um, about uh, it's called the business of being pregnant or something like that by Ricky Lake. I don't know if you guys remember Ricky Lake. I remember Ricky Lake. Yeah. So <laughs> she 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 went. She pretty much documented her whole story of giving birth, um, and she spoke to a lot of women. And then so after watching that documentary, we're like, I want to have a natural birth. You know, like uh, go to a pretty much a natural birth. I didn't want to go to the hospital. But because I, so my, my, um, when I had my miscarriage, I, I had the whole thing. I had contraction, you know, contraction, wait, contractions, but you know, it was my first time. I just didn't know. It's like having, it was just, it was bad. And I was hitting, you know, when you go to um, contraction. So it was, it was bad. I was, I went through labor at home. Um, second one, my second loss, I gave birth naturally um no epidural nothing um but you know the baby um was still born so that that was very hard so I was already in the process like so I was familiar with that so when I had my son now um by the time I had him I was considered um well I wasn't considered uh what's the word high risk yet but we did go to the hospital. We decided to do it at the hospital this time. Um, I went to the hospital just because I was, I started having little contractions. And so, you know, my, you know, we call our parents, Pascal, even came to the hospital and I was having contractions on the bed, but his heartbeat kept going lower um, mm -hmm. during the contractions. And we're like, okay, it's not staying stable. They tried, you know, they tried repositioning the thing. Um, and it wasn't well, pretty much it was getting low. So I was, I was, I had an emergency C-section. So I was rushed to get an emergency C-section. It was scary because I'm like, oh, that is the last thing I wanted. I did not want to have surgery. Um, that's not how I, you know, the whole thing. And I was worried on top of that, that I was going to lose him too. Um, but you know, I had the, I had the delivery, um, and he was fine. He was in an, he was at the NICU for seven days. That was a that was a hard experience because I'm recovering, and you know they only keep you at the hospital for three days. So after I left the um, hospital, I literally had to drive to the um, hospital several times a day to breastfeed him. And all the drugs I got from the hospital, I don't know, it just did a toll on my body. My legs were this big. They were big. I was wearing my husband's sandals 
like those whatever. I was walking. I I was I had respiratory issues. Um, I couldn't walk too long. I was hyperventilating. Um, you know, during the whole time while he was at the NICU. And then so after he got home, then I had to go to the hospital because of my respiratory issues. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, and they did some tests on me. So that was my first one now. Second ones, the, the other two, because I was considered a high risk pregnancy. So they already scheduled the pregnancy dates to have the C-section. So I didn't experience um, I didn't experience contractions pretty much the other two because I was already, um, I, they already scheduled the date. Mm -hmm. And my last one, because we asked the doctor if, if we could still have more, um, to verify on the last, uh, um, delivery. And she said, no, because my uterus lining, like it was so thin good thing because I was I was due to deliver the following week but she scheduled it a week in advance and I remember being mad about it I'm like man the person's supposed to come help me she's it's too it's too early for her because I, I, I was mad and my dad was like well the doctor knows best you don't know why this is happening just let the doctor do her thing and she said if it, we don't know what would have happened if they didn't deliver me on that date because it was so thin, you know, so, so I'm very grateful for that. So, so that was my birth experience pretty much at the hospital, three C-section. It did take a toll on my body. Those C-sections are no jokes. Um, yeah. Mm. So I wish I had, I wish I had the, the option to do VBAC, like um, vaginal birth after C-section, but my insurance didn't give me that option to choose doctors that would allow that. So Wow, really? Yep. I thought I didn't know that was a that was a thing. I thought you it's based on your body. I didn't know insurance or people had a uh, wow. space hole in, in it. That. It's a thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Not yeah. many doctors will. Yep. Will take um take the risk, and it's crazy because I've done the research, mm -hmm. um, and there's greater risk in you having a repeat C section than there is in you having a V back. Yeah, yeah, but you know they don't want the liability, and most yep. people like most doctors like C-section because it's quicker and yep. it costs more. They yep. More, so. Yep. Yep. Yeah. There's okay. there's there's like a one percent chance in you having your uterine rupture in a VBAC, and there's a greater chance in you having that during a C-section, or you passing away during a C-section. And because we're black, that's also another uh, check mark for them to not allow us to have a feedback. Um, I've been hearing that in the news a lot. Um, I haven't yes. looked into uh, looked into it, but I I do hear that that's an issue um, for women mm -hmm. of color. Um, so um, that that's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah, women in color are women of color are three and four times as likely to die in childbirth than any other race. Yeah. That was, it was in the news on good morning America, maybe a month ago. I watched that. Um, so uh, maybe we should look into why that is um, what's going on. What are like, what are, what's, what's, you know, like, are, are they not being offered 
you know, like certain opportunities or, you know what I'm saying? Or, um, so we'll, we'll look into that. I, I encourage every mother listening to look into that, um, uh, to make sure. And I think that's my, to my next point. I don't know if there's a right way, but I just want women to know that there are many options. Some people decide to do the home birth. Some people decide to go to the hospital as a doula, Gina, can you tell us what a doula is and all of the services that they provide? Okay, so basically a doula is a support person um, for the birthing mother and their family, mostly the mom, because the mom's the one that's doing most of the work. Um, but we're there to support the family in any way that they need. Um, there are various amounts of doulas. There are labor and delivery doulas. There are postpartum doulas. There are doulas that work with strictly um, families that have lost. Um, there's, there's so many different contracts and ways for you to work that around with your doula, but the, I would say the most important being able to be an advocate for the person who, who's in the hospital. And I think that's why we're starting to see, uh, doulas have been around for a while. Um, that, that name is not new. The, the job is not new. Um, but I think it is being used more often, um, now. And especially in the Black community because of advocacy. Um, Black mothers feel like they're not being heard um, and they don't have anyone to stand up for them. And when you're laboring, that's not something that you want to have to like deal with, with you consistently fighting with somebody else about what you want and what you need. And your doula is there to be your voice of reason. And so, um, you know, just going off of some statistics, like doulas a doula assisted delivery like the mom is felt more heard more seen um they they can also um Mommy. They, can, they can also um help with uh you know the increase the risk of uh c-section is is oftentimes lower there's just so many benefits I think in having a doula and I've you know spoken to moms who who haven't ha haven't used a doula and you know they say that they wish that they would have had more research or done more research um and had somebody that was able to be there and be their advocate um and doulas also like you know can help with switching positions um give massages um the way for you to have a a good labor in my opinion is for you not to be stressed um for you to have a calm and collective environment for your body to do what it needs to do um and it's kind of hard to do that when there's so much other things going on and um you really feeling like you're not being heard and yeah but I mean, there's, there's, there's different contracts um, that doulas have, but for the most part, um, most doulas are there for anywhere from 12 to 16 hours. Um, and then they come back after delivery. Um, they do postpartum checks, postpartum visits. You can have a postpartum doula for as long as you want. Um, I, I think the longest contract that I've had as a doula was 10 months. So I was there from the time that they were born to the time that they were 10 month old. And 
I actually still see them. So, you know, it's a good, good bonding experience. And, you know, you become a part of the family after you've been there for the most intimate part of that person's life. Before we leave, Gina, if you can quickly say how somebody can get in touch with a doula. Okay, so the way to get in touch with a doula is, I mean, you type it into Google, Google. and you'll find you'll find multiple doulas that are in your neighborhood. Um, you can also look at mom's groups. Um, I would rec- I would actually recommend um, a pregnant mother right now to go and find um, your mom groups that are on Facebook. You can find a mom group in your neighborhood, in your city in your state. Um, and nine times out of 10, when you type in the word doula, somebody else has already asked that question. Somebody else has already gotten that information and you can research that and you'll be able to find a doula and they'll be able to answer your questions and walk you through that process. Okay. All right. Um, so, so we can learn, we can end on this final note of support. So I know after the baby, some moms, uh, they usually say everybody's checking for the baby. How's the baby? Is the baby okay? How is is the baby sleeping? Sometimes the mothers tend to get, I I don't want to say overlooked. It's just that maybe many people are not thinking that the mother still needs care. So what does support look like or what does support look like for you from the outside, from from the father, from your parents, from, you know, from your friends socially, like what did you need people to know? Like what did you need your friends to understand, your family members to understand? If you guys can share. Yeah, I think everybody's different, but I think um, culturally when you have a baby, everyone, everyone wants to come and see the baby. Uh, Gina mentioned that because it was the first auntie, I mean, the first niece, the first grandchild, so everybody was there. Um, um, Some people were maybe more private. Um, And for me, I wanted time to, uh, because I think because of the surgery, I was in pain. On top of looking for, you know, asking for the baby, I guess another support is maybe bringing a meal. Uh, but I did have that support where some, my mom was there. Uh, we have another friend of the family, like a family. Uh, another person was there too to help me. That was so great. Like not everybody is was blessed to have that, but that was great support because I was not able to do all that um, because of the surgery I had. So uh, that was great support. And uh, as a whole, uh, people do tend to focus on the baby. But I would add that the husbands also feel left out because if the husbands feel left out, they're also supporting you, but who's going to support them? And you need that whole unit to be like, uh, to feel supported. So on top of asking for the baby, asking how the mother's doing, um, supporting her. And like, for me, it was maybe services um, and the husband would be emotional support, you know, how you doing or whatever, and stuff like that, because everything falls on his back now. Um, for, so I looked at my husband, I'm like, if, if I saw that strength in him, then I felt better. That was my experience as far as what I needed. My mom came up here, um, like I said, when my babe, my second, well, she was there for my first one and my second one. Um, my first one, she was there during delivery, my second one. Um, she couldn't get in flight until the morning that 
he was born. So she, she was, and unfortunately that was of all her grandkids, that was the only delivery she wasn't present in and it ate her up inside. And I was like, we couldn't, we could not get her on the plane fasting, like a quicker plane. Mm -hmm. And I know that still bothers her, but, um, she came up and was able to stay for a couple of weeks and help me. And that, that helped a lot. Um, I was so tired and, you know, I was breastfeeding and she was there to clean and cook and take care of the boys for me and just do things that I could no, you know, no longer do at the moment. And so it was a tremendous help. And by me moving, you know, and both times I was, first time I was in Tallahassee away from my family. Second time I was here in Ohio away from my family. So the whole you know, your family coming, everyone, unfortunately, we didn't have that because we live hours away. And then <laughs> the second time states away. So, <laughs> but my mom was definitely, um, how do they say the, um, geo, the goat. <laughs> <laughs> so that support system. Yeah. So my mom definitely, definitely helps. So support definitely plays a, a, bit, a bit role. So I'm actually going to call her after the <laughs> support for me um is giving me a chance to sleep <laughs> um when I first had before my kids I did not really want too many visitors mm. um it was really like my mom and a couple family members really but I didn't really you know but just them being able to come by and visit me and helping me you know with the kids so I could at least get sometimes to sleep was like the best thing and support for me is different um can be different for me too because sometimes it's just a call just to check up to make sure I'm good even though we stay on the phone for like two seconds just say hey, I'm just going to see you if you're okay that for me is also a form of support because I understand that other people have things to do just the fact that the person think about you that day to me was a big deal also but the most support I would say for me is coming around and hanging out with the kids while I catch some Z's <laughs> was like the best form of support, at least for me. It's interesting that you say that, Credo, because sometimes I feel like people, people who have friends or family members who give birth, they feel like that's the right thing to do. The right thing to do is to go visit. We have to go visit. We have to bring flowers. We have to bring, you know what I mean? So we could do is just text and you know say that we're thinking about you and just give you the space to be with the baby or to get some sleep for me it was for sure yeah I was scared to bring too many people around the kids and you know I'm very big on that I'm like you know I wanted to like be reached a certain amount of months before I started having visitors at home and good thing I live a little bit further out. I live in the estate, somewhere in the estates in Naples. So because I lived out there, it's like a drive for people. that. So people who came to visit me, it's because they really wanted to come and visit me because it's a drive. But it was a good thing. No, not yet. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But definitely. <laughs> oh, when she's up, she's up. Everybody's up. Up. <laughs> <laughs> that—that that was the end for me. <laughs> I'm gonna get you guys out in five minutes. I'm trying to share, but um, Gianna's doing the most.
I mean, as a support person for, you know, birthing mothers and families, um, your Danielle, I believe, touched on that a little bit and said, you know, who's there to support the father? Um, and I mean, in those situations, that's why I say like doulas are there to support the family in general. Um, cause you know, when we go, when we, when I go do a postpartum visit or I'm, I'm there to help the family or postpartum, I'm there so that you can go to sleep so that, you know, if the baby was up all night and, you know, you haven't been able to do anything, we're there to do the laundry, to do some light housework, to do some, um, meal prepping and that kind of thing so I it's something that I've I've been doing all my life and I didn't know that I didn't realize that there was a a name for it or a title for it um and I think a lot of times you know family members like you said um always think that the best thing to do is to go over there and spend time with the baby but in actuality you know the parents need help with other things so I think when we mention um you know, how, how can I, how can I help you? What, what do you think is the best way that I can help? Do you want me to bring over some food or what are your favorite meals? That kind of thing. Um, for me, I was fortunate enough to have my, my mother and my mother-in-law in the same city. Um, and we were able to come to my parents' house for, for a couple of weeks and be able to be, uh, waited on hand and foot. Um, and even after the fact, during my pregnancy, I, I, I didn't cook. Um, I probably cooked like three times during my whole pregnancy. My family was able to cook for me and bring me stuff over. And it continued on after the fact. Um, now, though, it's like I'm nobody's worried about me. It's more like, did your husband <laughs> eat? Did your daughter eat? What about me? Did I eat? How about that? <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah I think that's that's the that's the way that people can support and I think as a society we're be- becoming a little bit more conscious of that and um I've been seeing that happen a lot more often um or families are getting you know food delivered to them or someone coming over to do some light lighthouse work and laundry and that kind of thing so I think as a society it's safe to say that we're we're doing good in that aspect yeah, I, I also want to add, um, I notice a difference in my friends um, or, you know, like my cousins, um, that the texting is just different. And I think um, one thing that if people are not careful, they can take it personally. With my friends and cousins, if if I know they have babies and I text them, sometimes I know I might not hear from them in, until a week later. And I feel like maybe, you know, people who don't have children should be conscious of that and it's not that they don't want to you know like you guys don't want to talk to us it's just that sometimes you just can't or you have so many things going on with your life that you just can't you see the text maybe but you don't have the the time or you just forget just that quickly so when they get back to you they get back to you you know the love is still there it's just that there's a transition transition in their lives that is requiring more time so priorities have changed Yes, yes, that's right. Yes. Changed. Just something to keep in mind. And ladies, I am so grateful that you were able to show up for the very first episode and provide so much information. I appreciate you waking up so early. We did go a little long today. 
because of Mother's Day and because I want to show my appreciation, we're going to raffle off an Amazon gift card. And um, I hope you get it. And whoever gets it, you do whatever you need to do with your family or for your baby or for your kids. But uh, thank you again so much. And thank you to all my listeners. I hope this information was useful to you. Anything that we didn't talk about, please DM me on Instagram. If, if we need to bring the ladies back again at a future date, the social media is the Info Jabs with Pascal. I mean, I'll have it in the show notes. So again, thank you for listening and you have a beautiful Mother's Day. Bye.